0: Well, let me welcome back Kevin Luco here to Systematically Wild. And, Kevin, uh, first of all, before we, we're we going to begin with the Minnesota Wild here tonight, but w- let's talk transactions. The trade deadline was last Friday. Your thoughts on moves made by the club.
1: So what do you want to talk about first? There was so many things that happened. It was what I thought was going to be a pretty quiet trade deadline for Minnesota, and I thought maybe in – there would be more sellers than buyers, it just, it turned into a frenzy. Um, Just to sum it up, uh, the wild get Marcus Johansson back, who was with them during the the COVID-shortened season, then they picked up Gustav Nyquist, who may or may not be a part of the team as he's still recovering from a shoulder injury. He's hoping to be back before the end of the regular season and definitely be ready for the playoffs. Then you get into Friday and I guess I would say the big acquisition on Friday was the last minute one where they picked up John Klingberg from Anaheim. I've always liked Klingberg's offensive game. As a lot of people said, with Minnesota's defensive style, that can, that can hide a lot of defensive flaws, and I think it's going to be something that's going to be beneficial to Klingberg. and It pretty much renders Kalen Addison obsolete, but it's a guy that's got a lot of big game experience playing for Dallas and a lot of big um, playoff games when he was a part of that team. Played for a struggling Anaheim team this year, just never really seemed to get on track. But um, had a very good first game on Saturday in Calgary. And I'd say of the guys we picked up, I think Klingberg is going to be the guy that could make the biggest impact. Um, Oscar twist is a big forward that will help out too. So I believe I missed one person in there, if you got that in front of you. But try to pick up everything there.
0: So Jordan Greenway traded from Minnesota to Buffalo. You weren't surprised by that. I know you were talking about you thought that he might be out the door.
1: Um, I was actually um, I was glad to see it happen, not to try to sound insulting, but I just think that, that Greenway needed a fresh start elsewhere, and he's going back to the coach that he previously played for before he played college hockey, so... That's a factor there. Maybe, um, maybe Don Granato can get something out of him that um, just wasn't happening with the Wild. They got Marcus Johansson from the
0: Washington Capitals.
1: Uh,
0: let's see. And then uh, this trade between Washington and Boston. Uh, let's see what a, what a Wild get out of this. They got... Uh, Boston Bruins Acquired defenseman. Yeah, yeah, okay, Bruins acquire. Yeah, uh, and the Wild got a fifth-round pick from Boston as part of that deal. I think that was it. I think you got everything because that's Kevin local. Yeah, I believe they parlayed
1: now. that draft pick into another trade. So,
0: yeah, yeah. Really Did you mention Ryan Reeves? Oh, that was November.
1: Don't forget that. I'm sorry. Yeah, that was, yeah, you're that was, right. that was a little while ago. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but I'm sorry, but ball I'm, ball I'm going to far back. He did get his first goal of the year last
0: week, so it was good to see you. You know, the, the interesting thing about that, Kevin, was that I believe, is it Andre Suster? Is that the way that that name is said? Schuster. Schuster. He He began with the Iowa Wild this season, I thought, and uh, I thought that was interesting he had dealt, so um yeah, but big
1: pickup, I, I believe he may have played for the Ducks at one time in the past too. I know he played for Tampa Bay, but I thought maybe he played for Anaheim at one time. I could be wrong on that, though.
0: So. Yeah, so I thought that's a very nice setup uh, for the team there. They made some very big time acquisitions. I thought, you know, those kind that that you go that it's that that guy that makes the defense that, that your defense your group of six. One, one, just better, you know, just overall better, or becomes that grinder that shuts down an opponent's top line during the playoffs or something like that. I, I thought this made Minnesota, you know, a definitively better team. I mean, I, am I exaggerating that? Or how did you feel about the overall moves by the team in terms of a playoff
1: run? Oh, I think it made Minnesota an even tougher team to play against than they are uh, right now, and. You know, in the Klingberg trade, they would Schuster and then the rights to Nikita Nesterenko, who, from the sounds of it, wasn't going to sign with Minnesota anyway. So, you know, I don't think they really gave up that much for uh, about a month of John Klingberg. And, hey, who's to say that, you know, maybe if he really likes it here, he would take a little bit of a pay cut to come back to Minnesota next year. I know it's going to be tough for the Wild with this with uh, still having to get out of the sour cap hell created by the Breezy suitor contracts, contract. So you, you hope you get some guys that are willing to take a little less just to be part of the team.
0: Well, he's got to be liking how the team is playing right now. A nice 3-0, 3-0 week uh, for the team, starting with a, thro- a 2-1 victory over the Islanders and a shootout on Monday, a 2-1 victory over Vancouver on Thursday, and a 3 nothing shutout on over Calgary on Saturday. Your overall thoughts for the team for the week, besides the trade deadline?
1: Great defensive efforts all around. Ed. You know, that's. it seems to be that the team has recognized that they're not going to put up four or five goals every night, and it just seems like the entire team has bought more and more into a style in which they're going to defend their own end, and they have confidence in their goalies to make the save when they need it, and then you hope you get enough goals to win. So it's a, it's a formula that could very well work in the playoffs, too, but, so if they get there. But I was pretty happy with the week, especially the 3-0 win in Calgary. That's a tough place to go in and win, but they had the game pretty much under control from the beginning, and... It was kind of a nice sight towards the end of the game watching a lot of Calgary fans go home early.
0: What I liked about it, too, is you you talked about that strong defensive effort. You know, Vancouver is more of an open-style team, and they have some scoring punch out there. Calgary's got some of the better players in the league, you know, in in terms of their ability to score. Giving up one goal in those two contests, I I thought was just a a real representation of how this team has evolved into – We talked about early in the season where it was kind of run and gun, and they were trying to battle out to win five, four games, but then you come away with this week with two total goals allowed. I thought, wow, they have really embraced a coach's goal of what they wanted on defense,
1: and, man, they look very good. They do, and it will be interesting to see how how I think Johansson has fit into the lineup just fine, and Oscar Sundquist will... Playing his first game for Minnesota, and he'll sound like he'll be filling the role that Greenway filled as a big forward that can um, move some bodies around. And Frunquist also has a playoff pedigree, so he will be a guy that will not be phased by playing playoff hockey.
0: Well, let's jump into Monday. So, a two to one victory. I is Monday, right? Just want to make sure I said that right. Some reason I'm thinking it's Tuesday, it was. Tuesday. Okay, my apologies. Tuesday. I said Monday. Was that Tuesday? So each team scores a goal in the first period. Uh, New York gets on top on a Josh Bailey goal, 14-15 into the contest. But Ryan Reeves ties the score up, two minutes left in the first period. Then just a great defensive battle for that point. A lot of shots in this game. Great performance by Gustafson with 39 saves overall. Goes to the shootout where... Uh, Minnesota gets the only goal of that on a Frederick Gaudreau uh, penalty shot that he winds up getting there to give them the winner. And nice 2-1 victory starting out against the Islanders for the week.
1: Well, Ryan Reeves was two-thirds of the way to a Gordie Howe hat trick after the first period, engaged in a fight early in the first, and then he got himself found himself with a puck hanging in the the air near his waist and took a nice little baseball swipe. Wadded into the net for the Wilds' only goal in regulation. Freddie Gaudreau has been excellent in the shootout this year, and he was the only a guy to get the puck by either goalie, as Ilya Sorokin of Islanders just another primetime, incredible goaltender, too. So kind of had to know with the way these two teams have been playing and how good the goalies were, that it was going to be a low-scoring game, and it was, but good to see Minnesota come out ahead.
0: On Thursday night, the team gets a big two-to-one victory in Vancouver. Uh, Kaprizov with his 38th goal of the season, 44 seconds into the contest. Kevin, boy, this guy is on fire right now.
1: No doubt, it seems to be the goals are coming in bunches, and right now it's a uh, good time for Kaprizov. So hope that he can hope he can keep it going. Brock
0: Bozer ties to score 14-03 into the first period, but Kaprizov with his second goal of the night, fifth in the last three games. Uh, his 39th of the year, closing on that 40-goal mark after that point. Uh, they have Marc-Andre Flory comes in. Light night for him, 21 shots, 22 shots on net, saves 21 of them. But nice 2-1 victory in Vancouver.
1: You're going to catch crap from any Minnesota fans for that pronunciation of Brock Besser, a guy that... Besser! Uh,
0: My apologies.
1: Not only he's from Minnesota, but he is also someone that's a wild... Well, I should say the Wild had targeted because I think they knew that there was too much term in his contract yet for the Wild to swing a trade, but um, it was kind of ironic that Besser had Vancouver's only goal. It was almost like he was trying to audition for a trade to Minnesota, but the um, Wild just they played well enough to win. Fleury was good in the net when he had to be, and I'll come out of it with yet another one goal win.
0: What would my life be without somebody giving me crap about something? So I'm okay with that. On uh, Saturday, big three, vict- three nothing victory over Calgary. Joel Erickson Eck with his uh, 22nd goal of the season, 14 52 in the contest. Marcus Fellino gets his fifth goal of the season in the third, and Matt Boldy with his 17th. Man, he. Boldy has really turned into something special you know he, he was looking great for the iowa wild last season i just did not expect him to step in and become this impressive this year but wow he is good very good
1: he had been struggling mightily this in this last month or so so it was i believe this was his first goal since late january so it was a It was huge for him to get back in the score sheet again, and it was also huge for Marcus Foligno, a guy that had 20-plus goals last year, to finally get on the score sheet, too, scoring his fifth of the season. So you hope that there's um, momentum going with um, those guys getting back on the score sheet.
0: And Kevin is right. Oldies' first goal since January 26th when he had two against Philadelphia. So good call by Kevin Luco as usual. Uh, Gustafson with his second shutout of the season, Kevin winds up stopping 31 shots in that game. So he has allowed four total goals over his last four games. Uh, man, uh, making a headache for the coaching staff to decide who's going to be their number one guy come playoff time.
1: No doubt. I mean, usually you uh, yield to the veteran, but we know that didn't work out so well last year. So we'll see how that all plays out. You know, for as good as Justin's been, I'm surprised that it's only a second shutout. It just seems like he... Should have more by now. like to see how many yeah, one-goal games he's had. I'm but we don't have a track record staff that can do that very quick. <laughs> two in the last four,
0: four in the last eight one-goal games he's had. Let's see, four, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, ten eight, nine, ten. Ten this season, Kevin. Wow. Gosh. Ten and 29 stars. That's that's pretty darn 27 stars, excuse me. That's pretty darn good. So... uh yeah, good for him. Uh, Tuesday night, Kevin, they will take on the Calgary Flames at home, then travel to Winnipeg on Wednesday, go to Sa- uh, San Jose on Saturday, and then have Arizona. They travel on to Arizona on Sunday. This is a four-game road trip with three of the games this week. Kevin, what are you
1: looking for out of the wild this week? I think they're going to have to keep playing the way they have been, just tight-checking games and taking care of your own end because – On paper, maybe this doesn't look like a a bad stretch, but the Wild, uh, Calgary's one of the teams that would potentially be chasing the Wild for a playoff spot. Then you got Winnipeg, who's chasing the Wild to try to get in one of the top three spots in the Central, or, yeah, I believe they're right in the mix, and then Go out to San Jose where the Wild have not played well against the uh, Sharks at all this season. And then Arizona where they lost a the game right after the All Star break. So I don't think they can take anything for granted. They have to keep playing their game and hopefully the results remain the same.
0: Now and I'm curious, you, Kevin, you, you and I have been around a long time and in, in watching sports. It happens in baseball and hockey um, where. You, you make some nice acquisitions to improve your team, and it might take a little while for those guys to blend in and become the kind of contributors that you're looking for. How do you see this group effectively contributing to this team, even into this first week of the, uh, after the trade deadline?
1: I don't think it will be that difficult because they're not asking these guys to come in and put up two three points a night. A lot of these guys we brought in are guys that are, They're brought in, especially for the skill set that they bring. And other than learning the system, I don't think there's too much of an adjustment to be made. Excellent. Well, let's jump. Oh, let
0: me say real quick here. Minnesota Wild, as Kevin talked about, there are in second place in the Central Division. They are three points behind the Dallas Stars, four points ahead of the Colorado Avalanche, who are technically tied with Winnipeg. Winnipeg jumps into that wild card spot with Colorado grabbing the third spot right now in the division. So, uh, man, what a crazy division that is. Well, Kevin, let's jump down, down there to the Iowa Wild. Iowa Wild, who get a one nothing shutout blanked by the Milwaukee Admirals on Wednesday, respond over the weekend, though, in Grand Rapids, went 5-2 to two on Friday, a 4-3 to three victory on um, Saturday in overtime, and... Uh, you know, we had a great January, terrible February.
1: Maybe March is going to be better to us. Well, you hope so. And it, you know, they didn't get off to a good start losing a losing a morning game in Milwaukee. I, I kind of wonder who has the advantage of that throw team or the home team on that one. i imagine the home team, but. But then they bounced back nicely, getting a couple of big wins up in Grand Rapids and kind of put in, a, put in one of their teams, found them into the rear view a bit.
0: The one thing that I thought you take away from that loss in Milwaukee was that Volstead looked very good. You know, he, he struggled uh, during this five game losing streak for him personal, uh, personally here. Um, Take away that Milwaukee game, and the first four that he had, the, of that losing streak, 15 goals allowed for a guy who was just lights out in the entire month of January. And I, I thought, wow, this he finally got his stuff back here. I mean, I was watching that game, and I was thinking, okay, yeah, this is a Jesper Walsh 10 we saw a month ago.
1: You know, sometimes that's just what it takes. It's just one big game, and you're right back on, your, on top of your game again.
0: On Friday, a big five-to-two victory. Zane McIntyre with 29 saves in that contest. Michael Leary with a goal and three assists to help the club. Adam Beckman with two assists. Uh, Beckman is, you know, a guy that they've been counting on to get some points for them, and and that it, it's it's nice to see they're getting some great contribution across many lines for this group. Because um, I I don't know if this team is going to wind up being a playoff spot, a, a playoff team. They they might just get it by simple attrition at this point, but they got to get a little deeper across their scoring lines, and it's good to see when you get a Mike O'Leary with four points or a, um, a, you know, Sammy Walker has not been as productive lately. So you're needing some other production out of this team, and it looks like they're maybe finally getting that again.
1: It was quite a weekend for O'Leary. He had a four-point game on Friday night and then followed up with two goals on Saturday. And I was watching a little bit of the game on Friday night at it sounded like it was borderline whether he was even going to play on Friday night, but you don't really notice O'Leary out there, but you know, I'm checking out his stats right now and 10 goals in 50 ge- games. So he is in double digits, which is a high point for him in his career. He's never had more than six goals before this year. Yeah. He's a guy that when you and I saw
0: them against Rockford a couple months ago months um, you know, it was, it was a guy for the team that wasn't like a, one of their prime expected scorers. But I, I think he's turning into a very well-rounded player for this team. And I don't mean that to be disrespectful to him a couple of months ago. Um, you know, I think that they were looking at some of the other guys on the team, like um, a Marco Rossi and Sammy Walker, to be the leaders of this club. But Michael Leary, looking like he's pretty sharp right now. So um You know, I'm I'm liking the way these lines are coming together. It just looks like they need the the goaltending to get back to where they are, and three nice contest uh, performances from their goalies this week.
1: Yeah, it was good to see, Ross, um, Walker get back on the score sheet. That's only his second goal in those last 10 games, which is a far cry from the role that he was on earlier in the season.
0: Jesper Walstead with 23 saves on Saturday in the 4-3 overtime victory. Nick Batan with his 17th goal of the season, man, he's having just a phenomenal year. Is he a guy that you see on the Minnesota Wild in a year or two?
1: Uh, It's hard to say. I don't know what kind of a contract he had with Minnesota, if it was a two-way deal or if it was a minor league deal, but He had a chance up with Minnesota earlier this year, and he just was pretty unnoticeable. He could end up being one of those guys that get enough for AHL but just can't make the next move. I don't have any info on it, but I know Nick Slaney took a hard check on Friday night, and I'm noticing here he did not play on... Saturday and you hope that that's not going to be an injury that's going to keep Sweeney out for a long time because Sweeney was coming into his own. So keep your fingers crossed that Sweeney can get back to the lineup soon. Absolutely. The team
0: does give up two power play goals on Saturday. They had not given up a power play goal in the first two games of this week. So uh, good to see that the penalty killing was tightening up a little bit. Um, Struggle on on Saturday, but he still came away with the victory. So nice week for the Iowa Wild as they uh, are trying to solidify one of these playoff spots. Currently in fifth in the Central Division at 25-22 and nine, they are three points behind Rockford, which is it looks like it's going to be a battle for fourth and fifth for the for these remaining 16 games. Uh, does, does does do the Iowa Wild catch Rockford? Do they get ahead into that number four spot?
1: I don't want to sound negative, but the word out of Chicago right now is that the Blackhawks are more concerned about keeping their prospects in Rockford and making a playoff run than they are trying to get wins at the NHL level right now. So I think it's the whole thing um, tanking for Bedard in the, the number one overall pick. So got a feeling that Rockford will have, be trying out a pretty good lineup, and I think that's going to make them awfully hard to catch.
0: Well, Tuesday night, they travel to Milwaukee again uh, for a 7 o'clock start. Then Saturday and Sunday, the team welcomes Manitoba. Not an easy week by any stretch of the imagination for this team. Milwaukee, as we saw, already has a one nothing victory over them. Manitoba, seven points ahead of the standings. Your opportunity to potentially make a third-place run here, but uh, I think, you know, this is a team right now that... I, I, I know it's cliche, Kevin, to say you got to play one game at a time, But but I feel like this team has to be 100% focused on this game at hand because, you know, every every minute almost for this team matters right now.
1: And you look at at the standings, they're running out of games. They're down to 16 games left. Like you said, I think the top three are going to be pretty hard to catch right now, but I think you just, like you said, you play one game at a time, get as many points as you can, and hopefully you keep uh, Chicago at bay because look at the standings. Chicago's in sixth. Uh, Iowa's up six points on them, but Chicago has two games in hand. So it's don't count out the defending Turner Cup champion Wolves yet. Absolutely. that Was that the old IHL? I thought it was the Calder Cup. Is the uh, Calder Cup okay? The Turner Cup was. Yeah. Turner Cup, I think, was when the IHL was still running. When you still had like the AHL and the IHL. So, my bad there for being old.
0: (laughs) No worries. Dropping down to the Iowa Heartlanders. Tough week. The team goes 0-3 and 1. Wind up losing in overtime to Kansas City on Wednesday at home. Then travel on the road for a very tough three games against two of the top teams in the league right now. Cincinnati came in there with a 10 game uh, unbeaten streak. Toledo had a 12 game unbeaten streak and then they had Fort Wayne on Sunday. They lose 4 to 1 on on both Friday and Saturday and 5 to 2 on on Sunday besides facing two of the hottest teams in the league, probably the two hottest teams in the league. We, you, we and I talked about last week Kevin about the brutal travel with this and uh I, I, to be honest, I thought this was just too much for this young
1: Iowa Heartlanders team. It was, and you look at the three games in three days that they scored a grand total of four goals, and you're just not going to win many hockey games doing that, especially on the road.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, so you're looking at Toledo 14-0 and one in their last 15, Cincinnati 10-0 and two in their last 12, Fort Wayne. was struggling a little bit, but you know, it's a team currently in fourth place in the central division right now with 60 points, nine points ahead of wheeling. Look like they're pretty much locked for that final playoff spot in the division. That's three playoff teams that you're facing and Kansas city is in second place in the mountain division. So four playoff teams that you're facing in the same week. And, uh, you know, you, uh, I, just tough competition. Well, we're not going to dive into the games very much out here because, you know, it wasn't a very positive week for the team. But I didn't t- come out of this week at all, Kevin. You know, you and I have had some weeks where we've looked at this team and thought, what is going on here? But I didn't have that feeling at all. I just thought, you, you know, you faced a buzzsaw this week, and and uh, you come out of it, shake it off, and, and move forward.
1: That's all you really can do. And, you know, not to sound negative again, but at this point – where they are at with this season. I think it's just time to start counting games down until they can end the season.
0: Well, they come home for three this week, Kevin. Take on Cincinnati on Wednesday, looking to try to snap that 12-game unbeaten streak for the Cyclones. Then have Indy on Friday. Then Kalamazoo comes in on Saturday. Uh, This is a... Two of those, you know, are games that you you potentially have a have a shot a good shot at. Andy and Kalamazoo. I'm not meaning to sound like Cincinnati's a foregone conclusion that they're going to win, but they've had some success against Kalamazoo in recent weeks. Um, they had, you know, the Indy's been very tough and not been very nice to the uh, Iowa Heartlanders, currently third place in that division. Uh, but this is a chance to at least you know, come away with a couple of points at home you know, or get the crowd excited, get three or four points out of this week, and, and I, I, this is kind of your mantra that you've talked about, be better each week, and I think you have a chance to be better going from Cincinnati up to Kalamazoo as the week goes along.
1: I think you hit the point on the head with, you know, at this point where they're at, just, I think you're at the point where you just want to put a good show on for the home fans, forget where you're at in the standings, but just try to try to win as many games at home. So you're giving your fans some positive vibes going into the off season. You and I
0: have not talked very much this season about individual performances by players, but, you know, I, I do want to kind of single out a couple of guys, um, Tommy Peratino has, has really turned into quite a goal scorer for this team. Fifteen goals in forty nine games, twenty six points for the team. James Sanchez has become quite a playmaker. These were two guys that we you know didn't come in with a lot of hype around them this season necessarily, but have really turned into solid players for this club. I, I feel like they're guys that they can build off of should they be
1: around for next year. They could be, but boys You're 50, over 50 games into the season. You've only got four guys double digits, and two of them are at 11 goals. So there's your wet blanket upon your positivity. But Faradino, you know, it looks like potential with him. Um, On a team that struggled to score goals, he's been able to pot 15, and we'll see where he ends up next year, if he's back in Iowa or... And somewhere else, I'm pulling up his stats right now. And he was a WCHA guy at Michigan Tech where he topped out at 14 goals as a sophomore. He scored 14 goals in the USHL this last year before college. So on any level, granted, he played a lot more games and pro level, but this will be a career high for him in goals so I, I think there's there's something
0: that they can start building off here a little bit so we'll have to see for next season we're a long way away from that for our, at this particular point though well Kevin we came past a trade deadline here uh, Minnesota Wild with a fantastic week looking like they have some opportunities this week to try to do some damage in that central division so what's our uh, our
1: tale of Kevin Luco for this week uh well, just to hit upon the trade deadline, it's good to see Bill Guerin go out and make some moves to improve the current team without without mortgaging the future, without giving up uh, higher draft picks, but yet still improving the club where we feel like we have some hope that we can do a little bit of damage in the playoffs. We've had seasons in Minnesota where They've gone into the trade deadline with a good record, and the um, general manager, for what reason or another, made no moves in. You have to think if you're on the big club right now, you're feeling pretty good that you, know, you feel like your general manager does believe in you and does believe that your team can do something this year, and I just think that's going to make for an exciting last month of Minnesota Wild Hockey. So that's the big thing up here in Minnesota this week. It's a state high school hockey tournament going on Wednesday through Saturday. So the tradition continues in Minnesota and it's always fun to get up to St. Paul during that and see all the high school and hockey fans in general converge upon XL Energy Center.
0: Do you have a pick for this year? You think it's gonna
1: win it all? You know, I really haven't followed the high school game that much this year to make a qualified pick. Well, was perfectly okay. And
0: and I do want to ask Good you before we all, get out
1: here today. We'll do the cliche thing. Good luck to all teams.
0: Exactly. I do want to ask you about this because I, I should have talked about this earlier, but uh, I was impressed that Darren was able to make the deals he did without causing any, you know, like having to give up anything serious for prospects and, and stuff to them. Uh, you know, because you were talking to me a couple of weeks ago about, the tough thing for this team was the players that they would have to deal on the NHL roster that they could get rid of hadn't really played much, so it's kind of hard to get, you know, to trade those guys away, and they didn't really want to gut the, the minor league organization. I thought he made a lot of nice deals without having to really do any of those things that hurt the team. I, I thought that was pretty impressive by
1: his part. And I think getting involved with uh, Ryan O'Reilly trade as a bill guy and getting the draft pick out of that, getting the draft pick out of the, Boston, Washington trade, and I believe one or two of those draft picks got parlayed into deals that they they did make. And I think we have to realize with these next couple of years coming up with the salary cap hell that a lot of these guys they picked up at the trade deadline are more likely going to be rentals, and they're going to have to count on those high picks in the next couple of years to hopefully developing the players sooner and later to help this team out as they are going to have to field a younger lineup. Fantastic. Kevin Luko, thanks for joining us this week. My pleasure.